Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the From the Touchline podcast. This is Reb Brad Kenny. I'm excited because today I have a very special guest, Chaplain Christina Garber. Christina's chaplain to the Portland Thorns of the NWSL and part of Soccer Chaplains United, and she joins me in a phone interview to talk about the upcoming NWSL Challenge Cup, the Portland Thorns, and some good food spots in Portland. So don't go anywhere. Come back and join Christina and I right after this. a little off foot thinking he's going to go far post not strong enough with his right hand whips that one in far post almost made him in and they have he has the hat trick the second in his career the third of the night the hat trick hero talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure to the corner goes towards the near post and you're the angle and what a goal what a goal well, I want, want to welcome to today's podcast a good friend of mine and someone that's part of Soccer Chaplains United, Christina Garber. Christina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah. So, Christina, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, the team you serve, and, and kind of the extra things you do outside, uh, of, mm-hmm. you know, in life and, and et cetera. Yeah. Well, like you said, I'm Christina Garber. I work as a missions director for Crew, and I am the Portland Thorns chaplain. And yeah, some of the the side things that I do, we have three kids, my husband, Andy, and myself, and they are seven, five, and three. And so uh, that keeps us busy. And some other things, um, we live here in Portland, Oregon, so we like to do a lot of uh food venturing and hanging out in the outdoors for a little bit. We've kind of picked up urban farming in the pandemic. (laughs) Wow. So, so you're a little bit of a foodie. Have you ever been to, uh, what's the name of the place? It's the, uh, you eat grilled cheese on a bus. I forget the name of the place. Um, Yeah. Grilled cheese grill. (laughs) The grilled cheese grill. That's, that's it. Uh, one of my favorite places. Uh, I, I ate lunch on a school bus. It took me back to, uh, Actually, I don't it was, a, was it a double decker bus? No, no, it was just a single yellow school bus. I forget the location, but it was a very good grilled cheese sandwich, and I had a nice Coke to go with it. Probably the most unhealthy meal I've ever eaten, but it tastes great. Yeah, I mean, they used to have a double decker bus, and that was a good time. You had to go up to the top and eat grilled cheese up there. Actually, that might have been one of the first food carts that um, food carts, food trucks that Andy and I had uh, ventured to when we moved to Portland 10 years ago. Nice. Nice. Do you guys have a favorite today or a, a couple favorites? <laughs> um, I mean, I think our favorites have dwindled a little bit since we've added three other people that come along with us. They <laughs> of course. tend to be a little bit more uh, deep in the pickiness, but um, no, I, I, there's a place actually down kind of near where we live. It's called chicken and guns. And they make basically like chicken and potatoes, but it's like really souped up. They've got some cool dipping sauces and all that kind of stuff. So you really go also for the environment of the food carts area and little, they have like little pods and stuff. So it's the whole vibe that you go for. Yeah. I, uh, I just wrote down chicken and guns because next time I'm out in Portland, I need to try it. Um, whenever I'm out there, I try to, uh, just do one, one particular thing that, that, um, at least one that, that helps me get through, uh, 
Ben, the, the Timbers chaplain, introduced me to Tabor Tavern, and mm-hmm. uh, they had this bacon spread. I I liked it so much it was on my sandwich. I, I took a bottle home with me back to Colorado. And and literally, I, I told everyone in the family, you're not to touch this bacon spread. It's for dad alone. It's for my sandwich. Sometimes I'd let a guest have just a little taste, but oh, that was lovely. So um, sorry, we, we've gotten a little bit off track here talking about food, but Portland is is great for its uh, its food culture. And um, I'm sure that's something that you, you and your husband and family enjoy when you can. So, but yeah. Christina, uh, one of the reasons I want to have you on this week on the podcast is uh, NWSL, the National Women's Soccer League, is just about to kick off the Challenge Cup. They're one of the first pro team sport leagues that are coming back into play. And so um, as of this podcast right now, the Challenge Cup is destined to kick off in Utah. And your very own Portland Thorns are taking on North Carolina Courage in the first game on Saturday morning. I think it's uh, around about 10 o'clock mountain time. And, uh, you know, it's, what's interesting is I know a lot of people think that these are the two teams that should have been in last year's championship. So it's supposed to be a good game, but um, I was just curious, you know, uh, share a little bit about your time with the Thorns and uh, this is what your second year now. And, you know, what is, what does the chaplaincy look like for you and, and what kind of things, you know, these players going into this tournament, what kind of encouragement would you give them as they get set to take on the game and, and get ready to kind of live in Utah for a month or so and, and, uh, and play these tournament tournament games during such, weird, strange, crazy times. Yeah, you're right. It is my second year doing this. Uh, So last year, if we can take just a hot second to look backwards, last year the Thorns um, played the first half of their season for away games because the stadium that they play at with uh, the Timbers was being renovated and expanded. And so that was a weird beginning to my first year as being a chaplain there. but it's also been a really great experience getting to understand a little bit of soccer culture. I myself am um, not a diehard fan like my husband is in all things soccer, but um, I kind of stumbled into this because I'm more so, uh, I really do care about the well-being of people and how they engage in um you know, whether it's what they feel called to do or whether they've kind of landed there, you know, in whatever arena, I I really do care about how people thrive and um, how they become themselves and how they participate in the, in the world that they're in. And so for me, this kind of uh, led me to doing the soccer chaplaincy for the Portland Thorns. And, um, you know, I've done, college ministry for 10 years off and on. And it's, it's a different world. (laughs) You know, I feel like there's a high learning curve for understanding the business end of things for understanding what uh, these women endure and how they strive um, to be the best of the best. And so coming in, yep. To our second year here, it is amidst a pandemic. And so this year is, also challenging. And honestly, I would this morning just saw one of the players um, for the Thorns. She posted a picture of the airplane that they were all getting on to go to Utah. 
And and the first thing I thought of when I saw that picture was, whoa, you're getting out. You're about to engage in something that you really love to do. And so as, you know, you just asked me what kind of encouragement I would give them. I would just, I would tell all of them to let the joy in, um, soak up this moment because it is a unique time again, not just because we're in a pandemic, but this tournament is something new and something different. And so let the joy in get to enjoy some things that frankly in the past few months joy's been a little bleak it's been a little bit of a struggle to find it and sit in it and appreciate it so i think that's probably the number one thing i would say and then secondly just because there is a team mentality look around care for each other pay attention pay attention to who's tired and whether that's emotionally or mentally or physically but um you know, being a part of a team, you're only as good as you are together. And so um, that's what I would tell them. I would tell them to let the joy in and pay attention and care for one another. Christina, that's such a good word. Um, you know, when, when you said college, and, and I started thinking uh, a little bit as you were talking about some of the similarities um, between last season, now for the Thorns. I mean, when you go off to college – um, if, if that's part of your, your, your plan and, and your steps in life, or if you've done that, you've taken that on. Um, there is that, that time where you're away from familiarity, you're away from what's comfortable, mm-hmm. you're stepping into something new. And, and I remember in my own college experience, sometimes it was difficult with the, the unknown and the uncertainty. And I, w- I don't know that I necessarily had a fear of it, but, but certainly it was there. Sometimes, you miss those joy-filled, joyful moments and mm-hmm. and you don't really pay attention to others around you because you, you can kind of become self-consumed. You can kind of start looking inside at um, your own situation and your own, your own problems and that becomes a real challenge. And uh, mm-hmm. so what a, what a good word for these, uh, for the team as they head off to Utah. I mean, they're doing what they love, but they're also taking a huge risk during this time too, uh, to play yeah. the game um, for them, this is their their job, their vocation, and you know maybe it's you know it's not just their only job and vocation. Sometimes the gals uh, playing in the league need to you know supplement their income in other ways. So mm-hmm. what a good word. So take joy, receive joy, and look at others, care for others. I like that. That's yeah. that's perfect, and that's a good word, especially maybe for other chaplains and others that are, you know, ministering and serving teams during this time. So, um, well, I can imagine too, Christina, you know, the news came out Monday that the Orlando pride, one of the, one of the key teams in NWSL that they were withdrawing from the tournament because they had uh, six positive cases of COVID-19 and now, now that's kind of expanded to 10. So, um, I mean, put yourself in the shoes there. If, if you, if you had to deal with a situation like that with the thorns and maybe it's not coronavirus, maybe it's something, mm-hmm. um, you know, more general or generic, uh, what kind of support as a chaplain would you be seeking to kind of offer people that are, they're going through kind of those similar circumstances where look, the, they don't have the opportunity to play, uh, jobs, contracts may be at risk now because, uh, one, they don't meet, 
certain criteria. Maybe they didn't uh, perform well enough or they're in a contract year where they probably won't be back next year. Like there's so many different things we could get into with that, but what kind of support would you be offering as a chaplain? Maybe, maybe to an individual player and, and maybe to the group, uh, a group as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I think kind of what I had said in that last question that you asked me is I think the job of a chaplain is to pay attention. You pay attention to um, how tones change. You pay attention to what people are posting or not posting. And I think, you know, in Western culture, we like to rush and solve and fix. And uh, we like to move quick. And I think when it comes to things that interrupt our status quo or something that we were anticipating, um, you know, chaplains can be a really great example of sitting and paying attention and listening. And um, I think that's what I would, that's what I would offer. And that's what I would do. Um, I would seek to support you know, void of judgment, void of getting into the weeds, but just sitting with people in their loss. I mean, you know, for the example of uh, the Orlando Pride, there's a lot of loss on on all sides of this. Mm-hmm. There's loss of health. There's loss, you know, frankly, people's status quo, like I said, and just normalcy has been lost in the last few months. And so when there is opportunity to go out and... um you know, try to regain some type of normalcy. It's hard. It's hard. You, you miss things. And yet, um, you know, they're, they experience the loss of what was to come also. And for teammates who were also, um, you know, looking forward to what was to come, that's no longer. And so in those moments, it's really, I think imperative to just sit and be with people. Um, and so that doesn't sound very uh, eloquent or fantastic or exciting, but I do think that if you have the ability to kind of slam on the brakes and sit and mourn with people, um, you're going to be able to move forward and to continue on in a much more honoring way to a lot of individuals, to a group collectively. And so, yeah, I think the more too that, uh, yeah, I was just gonna say, I think the more you, you know, people, the more, you know, rhythms, you start to realize, you recognize and you realize when things are not going well. And, and so a chaplain's role is to lean in and, and sense that and offer, Hey, I can, I'm noticing that things aren't quite right. Can I be with you? Do you need help? Do you need a meal? Do you need an ear? Do you want me to just sit with you? Yeah, that's that's spot on because football culture, sporting culture is all about rhythm. Uh, it's all about normal normalcy. It's all about, you know, that there's foundational work that's done and then there's skill sets that, that get built off of, of that foundational work. And so when those elements and pieces are missing, and especially in team sport, when when the collectiveness and the the community aspect of that is missing, then um, people really get thrown, thrown off stride. And, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, just even regarding the pride, 
and, and some of the players, I, I watch social media a little bit as, as there's a lot of condemnation that comes down. There's a lot of hmm. um, shaming that is happening. There's a lot of, uh, I, I saw one person calling for uh, all, all of the, the players who tested positive uh, to, or, or all the players that went out, uh, apparently to this bar, he called for them to be fired, called for them to be, mm. you know, um, released from their contracts uh, with, with, you know, um, with vengeance almost. And I thought, you know, now, now you have as a chaplain sitting in that moment, you have the burdens and layers of not only the guilt, but you have shame, you have the publicity of, of mm-hmm. what has happened and gone on. And, and for some people, they may not understand, you know, due to no fault of their own, they contracted uh, the coronavirus and, and those kinds of things. So as a chaplain, you sit there and you, you have to work through themes of grace and forgiveness and, and, and help people come, come to grips with, as you said, those losses, uh, yeah. loss potentially maybe even of a job, loss of, mm-hmm. of income, loss of respect, loss of social status and standing. And, and sometimes as a chaplain, helping someone realize um, the importance and value of those things and the importance and value of those things, especially for, for Christian athletes, Christian coaches and staff, the value of those things in regards to their identity in Christ, rather than their, just their identity as a whatever professional footballer or such. So um, yeah. difficult and challenging times to, to lead, lead, lead folks through. And, um, you know, Christina, maybe you've got a better handle on this. I don't know how many of our listeners even know about the women's game, but I mean, how difficult and challenging is it to be a pro athlete in National Women's Soccer League? What are some of the challenges as you've started to come to see them and know them for these women as they, whether they play for the Thorns or for another team in the league? Now, I mean, I think the Thorns is a great organization. I've heard great things about them and a lot of people have written and said top tier or organization they're mm-hmm. they're they're on top of their game with how they treat people contracts et cetera et cetera but um now that you've kind of been in it for a year year and a half what's what are some of the challenges that that these women face as they take on take on this role yeah I think some of the i some of the challenges would be thematic, right? They're not necessarily as, you know, I'm the chaplain for the thorns. I mean, one of the things that is obvious when you step into the stadium is that the thorns are, they're like the heartbeat of Portland. Um, I know people love the timbers and they're not, they're, they kind of are two different camps to compare, but the thorns have like a 19,000, person attendance for their games, whereas wow. a lot of others um, in the NWSL don't quite have those numbers. And so, yeah, just being the, the Thorns chaplain in the last year and a half, like you said, they're, they are so revered because of what they represent and what they fight for and what they put their blood, sweat, and tears into. And you know, likewise, they revered the Portland community and what it uh, supports and what it stands for. And so um, that's unique, I think, a little bit to Portland as I, you know, listen and pay attention to other teams, to other experiences. 
I don't think that that's necessarily the uh, common experience for the NWSL NWSL player. I think that um, when you think of themes, I would say historically speaking, they are not paid as well as the men's teams, uh, as men's players. I think, uh, you know, as we saw in the last several years, uh, the women's national team has won more international games than the men's, and yet their <laughs> pay is quite considerably different. Sure. Um, and so I think there's things of that nature where we're talking about the challenges of pay equality, not even, and yeah, we're, we're no, we're nowhere equal here, um, for when we speak in terms of men versus women in pay. Um, you talk about accommodations, whether that's travel accommodations, uh, those tend to not be equal. Um, you talk about even playing conditions. Women tend to play on turf or artificial grass. Uh, more than men do. Men tend to be in areas where they play on actual grass and fields. And we know that that actually uh, has an effect on your body. Um, real, real grass is not as harsh on your body as turf is. So even the playing right. conditions are a little bit altered. So yeah, I would say in just in, in general terms, uh, equal pay is a challenge, traveling, scheduling, facility use, um, you know, allotment of resources. I think there's there's a pretty hefty laundry list where uh, while women's soccer has become a lot more uh, publicized and uh, supported, the the reality is that they're just they're not in the same ballpark when it comes to equality in all those categories. Right. Yeah. Those those are some key issues that I know the women's national team have even gone to court over and, and there's a few mm-hmm. cases right now where they are really striving to, uh, to, to, you know, at least lessen that gap and, and bring that. And I think Portland is quite a unique situation. I mean, 19,000 mm-hmm. fans, I don't think we even get that many with Colorado Rapids here in Denver. I think, you know, we, we usually are around 12 to 14,000 on a given day. And, and if someone special is coming to town, we can get up to 18, but, uh, Wow, that's a unique environment, and so I, I like uh, I like hearing this that the Thorns are sort of the heartbeat of Portland, and uh, I think uh, maybe for a future podcast we need to explore the uh, the heartbeat uh, a little bit more mm-hmm. and, and understand that. So, but mm-hmm. tell us um, what's Portland like right now? I mean, when this tournament is over, when the team comes back, uh, I, I don't know that there's any clarity about whether uh, NWSL will resume any sort of regular season or start doing travel and playing, playing uh, home and away games. But, um, give us a little bit of a flavor of, you know, Portland in terms of, um, where they've been with coronavirus restrictions and guidelines mm-hmm. and, and, and maybe just even where they are in the spectrum with, with that, the pandemic, and then even the, the, the spectrum of, of racial tension and strife that's been just gutting our nation right now. What, Where's Portland kind of fit into the to the equation, and and then you know drill it down a little bit. Where do you see the Thorns players um, and and organization? Where are they fitting into that? I, I see some teams mm-hmm. that are making stands, they're they're making statements, they're they're calling to order certain things. But but give us a little sense of what Portland's like right now. Yeah, so Portland, um, you know, in terms of the pandemic, at least 
Portland is sandwiched in between Washington and California, obviously. When this all started, those were two hot spots, um, Washington and California. And so with Oregon being smack in the middle of them, uh, we looked above and we looked below us and we said, we're going to shut this down. So we shut down really quickly when it came to the pandemic. Our governor put out, um, you know, do restrictions um, almost right behind uh, Washington and Oregon or Washington and California, sorry. And, um, and so for us, while we did experience, you know, um, quite a few deaths, it was nothing in comparison to um, the states above and below us um, in terms of numbers. We actually, uh, I would say, flattened the curve and stayed true to it for quite a while. And so um, to that, I'm really grateful uh, because we we didn't have the outbreak um, that we could have. And so um, in those terms, Portland was really quiet for a long time. And that is an eerie feeling for a city that is, um, it's a, it's a moving and a shaking kind of city. We love political things. We love controversial things. We love being out and about, especially once the sun pokes out and we sure. get over nine months of rain. <laughs> we like That's to why be you out. guys are green. That's why you're green. That's in the why it's city, green. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I know. It just kills me a little bit. We're all very vitamin D uh, insufficient over yeah. here. Yeah, deficient. <laughs> so, so I think uh, along those lines of COVID-19, um, that's kind of where we're at. I will say currently um, Portland just, so Portland's in Multnomah County, and we just entered phase one which means some places are opening up more um, and you can gather, I believe in groups of, I want to say 20 or less, something along those lines. Um, You're required to wear masks when you're out and about um, in public spaces. And so, so that's kind of what we're at in terms of, uh, you know, racial tension and what have you there. I'm, I'm kind of forgetting which president it was, but one of our former presidents um, called Portland Little Beirut. And it's because people love to be activists. We are activists about everything, whether it's the environment or, you know, what's hot in politics or you name it, we can make a, a stand for it. And so, um, one of the important things to know about Portland is that it was it was built to be a white utopia. And so it wasn't until 1926, well, I should say it was illegal for people um, who were black to be in, in Oregon until 1926. So if you were a black person, you, it would have been illegal for you to live here until 1926. Which is devastating. I mean, we are one of the widest metropolitan cities in the U.S., and there's reason for that. You know, there are laws like this that that um, totally demolished a community and or minimized who was even here. And so 
even, I mean, 1926 was not a, a groundbreaking year necessarily. There's still been lots of racism and, um, you know, systemic issues in place to keep people out um, and to keep people from thriving. And so in terms of racial tensions, there's been plenty of um, riots and protests and, um, you know, for I think several weeks ago, we were on curfew and that sort of thing. Um, and so Portland has a lot of work to do. And in terms of, you know, racial tensions, I think that people are recognizing that. And, and in terms of women's soccer and the thorns, they have been vocal about it. They have made plenty of like social media posts and um, made spotlights um, for different uh, Black Lives Matter movement postings and, and that sort of thing. And so, yeah, they've not been silent. I think that um, there's probably no room for them to be silent, it being such a huge part of Portland. Um, so, yeah, being the, the heart, do, yeah, yeah, being the, the heartbeat, man. Being the heartbeat, you've, you've got to, you have to say something. You have to yeah. at least try to initiate change. Yeah. And um, so for when players do come back, I think the challenge for players and staff and coaches will be to, I mean, you've been gone for a month. How do you re-engage? Uh, you pay attention and you, you care for people. And so I think that'll be one of their biggest challenges, you know, for those in leadership. How do you lead with confidence when things are constantly shifting and changing? You know, one of those constants can be how you care for people. So, well, Christina, as we, we'll yeah, Christina, thanks. As we, uh, as we kind of wind down here, we, we've talked about a number of things, but if you were to tell someone listening to uh, the From the Touchline podcast three things to pray specifically for you, for the NWSL, or for the Portland Thorns, or other teams, what, what three specific things could you? drill down to and say, Hey, pray about one, two, three, these three things, top of mind, uh, Portland thorns, uh, your, your work, your ministry there in Portland. Uh, what, what would you say those three things are? Yeah, I think, well, just as you had mentioned before, um, you know, current prayer would be as, uh, these teams gathered together in Utah specifically, I would ask that we pray for um, just participation and a high value of following guidelines for health and safety. And so whether that's for the health and safety of the players or um, those that work alongside them, that there would be a care and attention for one another, that people would value one another enough to adhere to different guidelines um, out of their own good and for the good of others. I think the second thing would be that uh, Portland specifically, when it comes to the thorns, that we would continue to love our city, that we would continue to participate in the things that it cares about, and that uh, we would pay attention and listen. And and then thirdly, I would say for myself, it is a lot to um take in and to observe and to care for when it comes to the Thorns ministry. There's a lot of things to care about, but I would just ask specifically that um, I would, the Lord would draw me near to the things that are most important and to the people that uh, 
need attention now and, and for the long game uh, for this chaplaincy to honor and to serve uh, the thorns for the long game. Nice. Great. That's, uh, that's really wonderful. And appreciate, appreciate your words there. And, and that helps, helps me, helps us to uh, keep and consider um, where, where things are at. So um, let's do this. Christina, why don't you end this today with uh, a prayer, a blessing over the thorns, over this challenge cup that's coming up this weekend, start Saturday and uh, let's let's really um, um, you know just keep keep all of this uh, in in the forefront of our minds. Would you mind doing that? Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks, Lord. Thank you so much for um, just even this opportunity to have uh, a tournament where we can all come together, and that the players can actually do the things that they love to do. They love to compete. They love to honor um, who you made them to be. And God, I pray that you would protect the people uh, who are there, who are serving one another, who are participating. Pray that you would keep them healthy, keep them wise in following guidelines, following the structures that are in place to keep them safe and healthy. God, we pray for um, just hearts to let joy in. We pray that that time would be a special time that we would look back and in our memories and and think about all the cool things that will happen during that tournament. And God, I do just pray um, over women's soccer in general, Lord, that you would continue to give them um, just the the foundations that they are equal. They are equal in uh, as human beings, as competitors, and that um, you you made them to be equal. And so, Lord, I am grateful for this opportunity to serve. Um, I know the rest of the chaplains love to um, serve one another, serve the players, serve the the um, organizations that they are honoring. And so, would you continue to open doors? for us to continue to serve, to um, continue to uh, participate in the lives that you've given us. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening today. This is Rev Brad and Christina Garber coming to you from the Touchline.